in a certain sense. You know, what it is that we're called to do right now, being asked to do is is to kind of have the courage or the faith to lean even more into the practices that we've been already introducing. So, you know, I'll just say for myself, in these moments where I too have been feeling kind of unprecedented levels of fear, waves of fear, terror almost, like what is going to happen if absolutely, you know, 80% of the people lose their jobs, for example. That's the kind of thought I might have right now, just saying that, right? This is a terrifying thought. Um, And yet, you know, slowly we're seeing communities kind of inching into the greater levels of distress. So it is, it's a, there are aspects of that thought that are existentially real and aspects of it that are kind of neurotically outsized. (laughs) So mindfulness can help us to sort of leaning into our practice, pausing, noticing what's happening in the body when we're starting to feel very anxious and afraid. And having the faith, the you know, the courage and the belief that if we, if we, rather than running away from it, getting on the phone, talking about it to everybody we know, you know, emailing frantically, drinking whatever, to excess, whatever we might be tempted to do, instead of just pausing with it, so, you know, again, instead of just sitting with it, instead of just moving our bodies in ways that can allow it to release these are the practices we've been, we've been introduced to, we've been, you know, recommending, we've been sharing. They are for now. So, but we need a little bit of extra faith, at least in my experience, belief that, oh, yes, this will help. It doesn't feel like it's going to help right now because I feel like I need to run somewhere and talk or, you know, eat too much or whatever I might feel. What I feel like I might need to do instead Wait, is there some place in me that has been training for this in the days and hours that I've been sitting in meditation, the months and weeks I've been engaging in yoga and other walking meditation, whatever I've been doing? Can I understand that as having been a kind of training for this extra, extra unprecedented moment of difficulty? And for me, once I started to realize that, and also to just see, oh, okay, this is about believing the practices will work, even though right now I can get into a thought process that says, no, go do something else, you know, or you, you, know, you can't sit. So for me, um, it's been about leaning more into the practice and leading with a kind of faith in something that wasn't present at the, right at the moment of panic. Right. Because at the moment of panic is like, I don't the the practices don't feel like they're helping right now. Just do it anyway. And really, really allow a kind of a granularity around it for me. So noticing where in the body I feel the anxiety, noticing where in the body I feel the fear and then inviting this inquiry of what are the thoughts or stories that I am amplifying and kind of maybe you know, uh, sort of attaching to too tightly that are leading to these feelings. And can I just notice that there are thoughts? So this is, again, about segueing into the other, you know, the part of your question or prompt that was about realizing there are real fears and then there are aspects that are not so real. So 
distinguishing between the kind of existentially present fears. So you mentioned, you know, the horrific shooting, killing, uh, unjustified killing of Armand Arbery. If you're faced with a gun, which we pray and hope nobody in the, you know, in the in the space and sphere of this call ever has to feel this any time in their lives or any of their loved ones' lives. But if we were, that's a moment where every, you know, existential kind of all the neurobiological threat systems need to be on high alert to figure out how to respond. But if we're just thinking about what might happen if we were faced with a gun or just thinking about all the different people who have passed away or thinking about what happens if, you know, people come after us, that's that's um, adding what in the Buddhist tradition, for one example of the kinds of traditions that I lean into, is called kind of adventitious suffering, extra suffering on top of the actual existential suffering you're facing. So if you can just notice the difference between like the actual physical circumstances that you're in. Notice the safety that might actually be present for you right here, right now, where there's no gun anywhere, where there's no threat to you or anyone you love at this moment. Pausing and really being present to that and feeling the ground of support beneath us. Then you can sort of discern the difference between, again, those things that might legitimately cause you to be fearful, and those thoughts that might be stealing your joy, making you anxious when you have no real existential reason to be. And I'm not talking about this, I don't, as I talk about it, I don't mean to suggest it's very easy, because it might be very, very hard. And that's why we lean into the practice with a lot of kindness for ourselves and compassion, and ideally in a, within a network of supporters, so we're not just doing this by ourselves, but we're with other people who, if we do turn to another friend to talk about this, they can sort of help us pause, help us sit with what we're feeling, help us notice this, you know, the, the ground beneath us, the color of the, if we're going into trauma about it. Like sometimes it helps to like literally get very, very physical about context. I'm in a chair right now. It's, you know, certain set colors, textures. I'm here you're here. I can see your eyes looking at me. I can see your face. I can hold your hand. Breathe. Hold yourself in this way. Like you can place one hand around your body or both arms around you, almost giving yourself a hug, creating a kind of physical container to remind you, you are here. You exist. You are alive. There's no accidents. And so from this place of like, again, leaning into practice for deeper resourcefulness, we can disrupt patterns that might be making us anxious in a moment. But then more deeply, as we engage in practices like this on a regular basis, we're, we're retraining the brain and body to access the resources that we have for settling our anxious mind and body in moments like this. And we're, you know, with neuroplasticity online, right, the way in which our practices literally change our brains, our bodies, we are making it much more likely that the next time we're threat, we're feeling the temptation to kind of move into overwhelm, anxiety, um, getting hijacked by these kinds of thoughts. Practicing today makes it more likely that the next time we'll be more able to shift back into our resources sooner. 
So it's really, really helpful, I think, to look at what might get in the way of believing in the practices when you need them, um, taking the time to practice, allowing yourself to work with the pain and the fear in these kinds of granular ways, and trusting that what happens, what I learned anyway, is that when I stop and really sit with these horrible, sad, fearful feelings and thoughts, you know, I, I, and breathe, the invitation then for me is to notice what else is there. And I can always find peace, ease, sunlight, um, the feeling of being a little bit tired, maybe needing to eat or needing some water, right? Needing some sleep and, you know, wanting out of, you know, the kind of self-compassionate impulse that we all have for surviving to take care. And from that place, I actually can, whew, you may, sometimes it takes about 15 minutes depending on how intense it is, but gradually I'm feeling my way into an ease. I don't need to eat when I'm not hungry. I don't need to drink when I know that drinking isn't an answer. I don't need to get on the phone or get on Facebook and churn fear when I know that churning fear isn't an answer. Instead, I can just notice right here, right now, I'm okay. And from this place, I might discern what would be one wise step to take in response. Maybe it is figuring out a way to provide a little bit more spacious support for my community members who also might be struggling. Maybe a Zoom call later in the week where we just check in. And it's from building those very, very uh, real relational connections where we're feeling more resourced together. Then we might together say, what if we built a nonviolence in this community uh, project? What if we together met like this on a regular basis and not only helped support each other in dealing with the stress, but decided we would do a little bit and, and, and brainstormed what that might look like. So this is how I see that connection between self-resourcing, interpersonal resourcing, and systemic.